0: Hello and welcome to the latest briefing from Heart Standard. Uh, My name is James Kearney and today I'm joined by Scott McIntosh. And today we're going to be looking back at Wednesday's Edinburgh Derby, that, of course finished in a one-all draw. We'll be talking a little bit about Frankie Kent's injury. Um, I follow the news that's come out this morning that the defender will be out for a couple of weeks by the looks of it. And of course, we're looking ahead to Sunday's big game against Celtic at Tyncastle Park. So, I guess Scott, before we start looking ahead or start wondering about what could be, let's maybe start with what has happened and what has occurred. So, we'll start off with looking back at Wednesday's game. Obviously, you were there. Um, I was in. You're in the. You're in the home end. Obviously, I was in the press box. And I think overall, it's fair to say that it's a pretty underwhelming display and maybe one that i think a lot of fans are quite happy to have just gotten away with a point from uh obviously marcondes it was it? yeah mercondes scored on 28 minutes Lawrence shankland as always <laughs> managed to find a leveler via the penalty spot just before half time. and then i mean after that there wasn't really that much to shout about i didn't think you know what, what what were your thoughts on the game
1: yeah, I, I think a point is probably the most that we could have uh, sort of asked for off the back of that performance. I, I think the biggest disappointment was the fact that I think most of us coming to the stadium probably conceded that Hibs were physically better than Hearts on the night. I felt that they pressed the game better. They executed their game plan better than we did as well. And that doesn't happen a lot, specifically mm. at games at Tyne Castle. So... <clears throat> Wouldn't fault anyone's effort. I think the effort was there, and I think we defended pretty resolutely for the most part. But yeah, there was definitely aspects of the performance that that could have been better in, in terms of sort of matching up against Hibs. Uh But thankfully, we, we sort of we, we didn't get put ourselves in a position where we started to lose a couple of games in a row and sort of get into a, a run that we potentially you know could have mirrored last season. Mm. So I think it was good to sort of stop the rot pretty early on there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's the way it was like. Okay, I think it's fair to say. I don't think many people would disagree that Hearts didn't really get going on Wednesday night. But in games like that, where you, you know a team haven't really turned up and outperformed to their best in a game where Les Brown's Hibs were probably the better side, to get a point from that, like you say, it does help just kind of lift that morale and that like you say stops that uh, rut before it even before it even starts, I suppose. Um, so I guess what, what were you, what were your thoughts on the on the team selection then? Because obviously Naismith went with a, a back four for this one. that was kind of like a, a 4-4-2, almost wasn't it, really with Scott Fraser out on the right-hand side. Um I kind of felt that it was a bit it really hampered Hearts' uh, the, the build-up play coming from the back. I mean, I think you saw that with there were quite a few times in the first half where the uh, Xander Clark was played short from a goal kick. They kind of passed that around the back forward, and the way the hips were uh, attackers were pressing right up, and obviously, they've got that pace up, the, up the, that end of the park as well. It just left the it just meant that hearts were just kind of shelling long balls. I felt, and it was all felt a bit hopeful rather than careful or you know, thoughtful. Um, and I think that that was a big problem for <laughs> me. I think that because Hibs kind of pressed high at the park and stopped hearts from building out, it meant that hearts didn't really have much of a response to that, in my, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I mean. I am I'm not I'm not adverse to going back to front and mm. I think given that the the weakest area, the Hibs team generally speaking would be their back five. I don't think you know shelling balls up to and getting them sort of going up one on one with Bashiri is a is a bad tactic. I think the problem stems from the second balls off the, the direct ball. I think the problem is the fact that we had no sort of cohesive press. I think if you're gonna press, you need press as a team. And the problem was there was times where maybe three or four Hearts players were maybe leading the press at the front, but then nobody else in the team was following on from that. Mm -hmm. So there was a huge gap in the middle of the park, which meant that any sort of second balls being contested Generally speaking, the Hearts players weren't really getting getting on top of it. That changed slightly in the second half. We sort of pushed Cami Devlin a bit further forward mm-hmm. for around fifteen minutes prior to him being substituted. And I thought that we were doing a little bit better then in terms of winning a few second balls. Newenhof grew into the game as it went on as well. Uh, but yeah, that was probably one of the more disappointing aspects. We've, I would say, over the the piece of the season, we've not been great at that. You know, we've our our strongest point has been. Defensively, we've been pretty good defending set plays, we've been pretty good, and then we've had Shankland to sort of Mm. rely upon from an offensive sort of standpoint. So, there are a few things that Stephen Naismith and his team that he sort of possibly look at going forward, but I think having Devlin coming back may help with that. You know, over the next few weeks, that's an option they've got to maybe play Devlin a little bit further forward. Uh, I think Sunday's probably a good example of that if you think about you know, McGregor's role within that Celtic team, playing that sort of quarterback, I think playing Devlin in a 10 position would be pretty astute, you know, in a a fixture like that. So that's hopefully something we're going to see. I mean, in terms of the overall team selection, I was worried about Scott Fraser starting. Mm. Uh, I think we know what Scott Fraser can bring to a football team, but he's not someone who's overly proactive off the ball. And I think putting him in front of Natty Atkinson when Hibbs had... uh, Melida and Jordan Abita Mm. running down the left flank. Don't get me wrong, Natty Atkinson was way off it on Wednesday but he wasn't helped by the fact that both Scott Fraser and Kenneth Vargas offered little to no protection uh, throughout the 90 minutes. So yeah, I think the the inclusion of Fraser was a a bit strange. Uh, In hindsight, would it have been better to have maybe kept somebody like Vargas on the bench to give us an option in the second half because we really didn't have anything, mm-hmm. uh, particularly being older, uh with Oda being injured. So that's something as well, but that's more of a hindsight thing, uh, more than anything else. I think I think it's more about application and having no cohesive press rather than the formation. The formation's not too big an issue for me, but but yeah, uh Hibs got their team selection right and Above all else, the majority of their players won their individual battles. The only sort of in- individual battle that I felt we really won over the piece was probably Alan Forrest against Liam Miller. That's the only one where I felt like the Hearts player was getting the
0: the best out of his opponent over the piece in the ninety minutes. I definitely you could see that where Miller just didn't didn't look comfortable at all with Forrest. You know, and to be fair, a lot of players like. That found out this season that actually it's really difficult going up against Anforce, particularly when he's out on that left-hand side when he gets the ball he's got the time to drive at you and try and make like make you make life difficult and make you uncomfortable he's absolutely fantastic at that and obviously he's having a great season I am um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on Devlin and Fraser though because I thought that I mean that was first that was Devlin's first start since October I think it was mm-hmm. um, November perhaps you know it's, it's been a good long while and obviously Part of that was down to, they had that injury that obviously rolled them out of December and the start of January. But part of it as well is the fact that he seemed to have kind of slipped down the pecking order, I suppose, um, at Tynecastle. Castle. But I, I thought he was actually, I thought he had a pretty solid game. I thought, um, particularly when you, when you put it in the context of <laughs> how everyone else got on, I thought he was one of the better performers on the Night for Hearts. And like you say, when he was getting a bit more advanced, and um, I think, I think he was quite an effective presence there. And again, that's something that when we look ahead to Sunday, that's certainly something that could be really useful. Um, Fraser, again, is a frustrating one because, I th- I, you know, I agree. like yeah, I think there's definitely a player in there. I just think that I'm, I'm not convinced by him playing out there on the right-hand side, though. I think that his best work seems to have come when he's either, I think when he's kind of playing in a central area and he kind of drifts to the left. I watched a fair bit of him at Charlton, um, just when I was when it was announced that he was signed, so I could do a, a kind of scouting report on him, see what he's all about, and that seems to be the areas where he's really great. When he's kind of drifting outfield onto his favoured left foot, rather than I think I I, I, it was, I thought it was just a bit one dimensional on Wednesday night because because you know that he's playing out right, I mean, he's got absolutely brilliant left foot. So that's just what he's constantly looking to do, and because of that, I think you lose a bit going forward. And like you say, off the ball, he probably doesn't offer all that much, um, which then leaves gives Atkinson. A hell of a lot of work to get through. Um yeah, i I'm yeah, also yeah. a quick word of defense for Atkinson as, as well is that uh, um I, again I agree. I don't think he had a good game on Wednesday. I don't think I had a I thought he had a very poor game uh, at Ibrooks before that. Um but he did say that he's he'd been um I think his exact words were he's been struggling with a little bit of flu and um, that he was kind of combating and so he was just trying to get through the game and all that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's you know degrees of mitigation there, I think for sure. But uh, yeah like you say it's probably an off night. Um not Hearts' best performance of the season by any stretch, but at the end of the day, a point's a point. It makes it. It means that they go into the game this weekend, you know, not coming off the back of two defeats. So that's something you know, they manage to pick up a little bit of momentum, I suppose. But I guess one of the other big points from Wednesday night that it's not really came out until today, but uh, is going to be Frankie Kent, who's now going to be out for it's from the way Naismith was talking, it sounds like it's going to be a week or two. Um it was spotted at Orium today, uh thank you count that is with a like protective leg brace on and with crutches on. Obviously that's never a great sign. People get a bit worried when they see that. Um from what we understand though it's that's more of a kind of protective or preventative measure. We don't think it's quite as serious as you'd maybe at first expect. But it does still mean that, you know, he will miss, for instance, the Celtic game uh, this weekend. He will miss the Morton game, you'd imagine, uh, the Scottish Cup quarterfinal through there at Capelo a week, a week on the Monday. And then he might even miss the Ross County game right before the international break as well. So those are going to be three big games that um, obviously it'd be great to have him around for. How do you see that his absence um, impacting the team? Because obviously since he's come in in the summer, I think... Airdrie is the only game he's not started, and I think there was. I think in the Scott, I think in the League League Cup as well. On the party testicle game he came off with twenty minutes to go. But apart from that, he's played basically every minute of basically every game. Yeah, I mean when he was hobbling about on on Wednesday, I, I sort of said to my friend I
1: was at the game with that if he was a a sort of 50-50 for Sunday, I'd rather the rest him. I think. So, it's a weird one. People would normally say, do you not need your best defenders against one of the best teams? But I do think that Celtic play a lot of the game in front of you, and it's not so much about having players that are physically strong. Uh, and I do think that someone like a, <coughs> a Toby Civic can come in on Sunday, mm. and so they quit themselves pretty well in that sort of environment. I think the bigger the bigger miss out of the two fixtures will be the Morton game. Morton will be very direct going off of what I saw against them uh on Motherwell a few weeks ago. You know, it will be a bit of an aerial bombardment, particularly if he set plays, long throws, corner kicks. And I think it would have been handy to have had Frankie Kent for that fixture uh, above all else. So yeah, that is going to be a bit of a miss. It's a good opportunity for maybe somebody like Sibic coming in. It might mean that Harps might change to a three. I'm not sure they would go with a four with say Kingsley and Rose. So mm-hmm. there is a reasonable chance now that you might see them revert to a three. Uh, that allows them to maybe bring Lembekisa back in the team if Atkinson's been struggling as well. So it does give them a few other options. I'd be very surprised if they didn't play with a three against Celtic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm just in the process just now of writing up my, my predicted lineup for for Sunday. and i've went for i've went for the back three um, partly because like you say i think that kingsley and rose as i said half pairing it, it, yeah, it makes me a bit nervous like you know i think it's particularly going off against uh you know players of Celtics quality i mean we saw them midweek was it seven one they won in the end eight one something you know, ludicrous so you know, obviously you know their attacking players are you know in form and up for it so that you know you do need to have that proper defensive resilience there so i think you're right i think we will see the back three obviously that does mean it's gonna be a big game for i think toby sibuk in particular if he's playing we know that there's been a couple of games this season where he's looked a bit hairy and chances are i mean i might be wrong here but i would imagine that if your back three is rolls sibuk and uh, kingsley civics probably going to play in the middle right
1: I mean, there's a chance they may go with Kingsley play, playing centrally, uh, but I mean, it's, Kingsley has played right of the three a few times this season, so mm. it, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a huge shock to see them go with that. Uh, I think Sibic would be generally quite comfortable coming out from the back with the ball. I think my only issue with Sibic playing centrally is I think his biggest deficiency is positioning within the box and sort of anticipation. I think he struggles with that a little bit and I think considering the movement of Kyogo, I wouldn't be keen on him playing that central role, but it it might happen. Uh, It depends, you know, what they think with regards to Kingsley playing there, but I think I'd rather see Kingsley play centrally over Cibic.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean, because he does have, like, Kingsley, we know he's not the the biggest uh, centre-half, he's not the most physically imposing guy, but he does still do really well in the, in the in the air. And obviously with, um like you say, obviously Kyogo is going to be a problem in terms of his movement, but also the guy they've got on loan from Norwich, uh, Ida, he's, you know, scored a few cracking headers since he's come in. Um, in fact, I can just see there, Graham uh, in the comments, just making a similar point. So he does Ida's a big threat, so we need to be wary of him as he's far more physical than Kyogo. And you're right. I think that if there was that kind of physical battle in the middle between that, um between your know, Hearts defender and, a, and something like either, you'd probably, I think I'd probably back Kingsley, I, I think he just seems a bit more solid, and a bit more of a kind of safe pair of hands in that area of the park. Um of course got another comment here from Graham as well saying honestly I am fearing Sunday, Ooh, that's not very good, uh, Kent being out is a huge blow, you can see it being Rose, Civic and Kingsley in a back three so as I said yeah I think that's probably what we're likely to see. Um, and then like you said as well I think we probably will end up seeing Lembekisa coming in at right wing back I think that I know certainly Joel um, doesn't think that Neesmith seems to trust him in uh, Lembekisa in a back four uh, I still think we might see that at some point again this season but like you say I think he is more suited to the back three where he's got that extra protection in behind him and it does give him a chance to kind of get forward and you know take risks on the ball which is one of the things he's actually really good at okay it doesn't always pay off you know, there's been t- times where you can kind of throw your hands up in the air and go, Oh, I know what's he done. But I think, particularly in a game against someone like uh, an opponent like Celtic, having, having that kind of player who will try and conjure up something is really important. I think so. I think we probably will end up seeing him in, in terms of the midfield. Then, how do you see that going? Um, <clears I'm throat> doing, are we are, we going, are we both going for the, the 3 five, two? I 2? Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think we'd go with a 3 five, two. I
1: mean, there's what i'd want to see and then there's what i think we probably will see i'd mm-hmm. love to see devlin playing that advanced role and i would really like to see tate and Newenhoff playing behind them I'm, i think i'm i'm at a stage just now with certain players like grant and benny and that where i think i've seen just about enough for the for the time being and, mm-hmm. and i do think that some of them need to have a bit of a a, a time out of the out of the team uh and one of the things that really impresses me about Tate is just the simple things, just the way that he receives the ball. He opens his body up, which is something that really frustrated me on on uh, on Wednesday. and Atkinson was probably the worst one for it. Where the way that he receives the ball means that 99 times out of 100 he's having to play the ball back because he yeah. doesn't open his body up to allow me to play a forward pass. But he's not alone. There's a few players in the squad that are like that. I think normally I would be adverse to playing somebody like Tate for the start in a game against Celtic because he's going to have to do a lot more off the ball than what he has mm. had to do so far in a, in a first-team match, but there is a little bit of me that we'd just like to see how he would match up against them because I do think he's somebody that potentially could be a starter for us in future seasons. So I'd like to see Tate and off play with Devlin maybe just in front of them in that sort of midfield
0: three. Oh, that's got that's a bold selection. I like it. I like it. Um, cause I, I was looking at mine. I thought I, so I'd gone for, I expect Noonhoff will play just because, you know, as we always been looking came onto a game over the last few months. We know that Naismith is clearly a massive fan as well. And, you know, um, it's hard to really see him getting over like He's one of the first names in the team sheet at the moment. Uh, I would also take Benny Beningham in. I know, I know you said you've had enough of him, um, but I would definitely like to see him in that number six role. But, but get it crucially, not just sitting back. Like, against I, I, Rangers, for instance, he was quite guilty of just sitting back and not really contributing much on the ball when the hearts were getting forward. Whereas, if you think back to the, the 2-0 win at Parkhead back in December, he was absolutely brilliant at that when win. It was those moments where he can often frustrate the fans when he gets the ball, maybe about the halfway line, and he maybe takes a touch, you know, has a look around, takes another touch, then makes his pass rather than just making the early pass. But... I think that certainly in the game at Parkhead, he was really good at not doing that and actually just being a bit braver on the ball and getting a bit being a bit more forward thinking. And I think Harsh, you know, reap the, reap the, reap the, reap the rewards of that. The, the other one as well, I was thinking of is uh, we might well see Aidan Denham come back into the team. I know he's not been in the squad for mm-hmm. a while, but I thought again, he was really, really, really important in the in the win at Parkhead um, a couple of months ago. I thought that particularly the way that um, Kind of like the wide centre mids, so himself and Neunhoff, and then the two wing backs, Cochrane and um, would have been Atkinson, I think it was that time. Um, the way they all linked up was just brilliant. The way that the, the wing backs would push up, the centre mids would come back and cover, and it just left Celtic with nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And again, just we know that we know exactly how Celtic are going to play. We know exactly how a Brendan Rogers' team plays. And particularly as a, you know, if you can make sure that you slow them down and make life, you know, just, you know, and kind of cut off those passing lanes out wide it can leave him with big problems. And then, you know, as we as we saw back in December, that's when hearts can really hurt them. So I did, I did wonder if we might end up seeing Denham come back into the team for this one, just because I think that off the ball, he does have that kind of energy and in that industry. And that is also that is also just that positional awareness that makes life really difficult for a team like Celtic. So that, that those would be, that'd be the three that I'd go for. But it's interesting that we went so the... Three midfield spots we've got: Bruno, one agreed on and off So that's a, that's quite an interesting one. But yeah, the Hoff's been pretty good recently, so I think we can expect to see that. Um, and then I guess just the last question as well, of course, it would be up front. Um, we can assume, I say, Mister Shanklin will be there. Um, who do you think is going to be with yeah. them though? So I think it'll
1: be Shanklin and Forrest. But I think this is a game where they should give Tagawa a run. No reason I'm really? saying that right. so. that's interesting. I mean, okay. Celtic do play with a very high line and this is possibly the only fixture where his skill set would actually bring a positive to the team. I've always been on record as saying my issue with Tagovas not with the individual himself, anything Mm. to do with his ability... I just felt it was poor recruitment because I just I just think you play that many teams with a low block in Scotland that yeah the one thing that he's good at doing which is getting space in behind the, the back line, he's not gonna get much of a chance of that. Whereas I watched Celtic against Motherwell at the weekend and I appreciate they love Carter Vickers back in the back line, so that does change things a little bit, but they were pressing very high, and Motherwell particularly in the first half were getting a lot of joy and just knocking balls into the channels eh, for sort of being to sort of run onto. So I do think this would be a good fixture to give Tagawa a chance and, and just see if, you know, you can get something out of them. But I do think there's it's more than likely going to be Forrest maybe
0: playing a, uh, up front with Shankland. Uh, no, you make a really good point because you're right. I mean, in terms of the games that Tagawa was actually suited to, there's not that many and this is probably one of them. I mean, you look at the the game at um, Rangers last weekend when he came on and okay, it's 5-0 down, the game's done, all the rest of it, fine. But I thought he looked pretty good actually when he came on, like in terms of you know what he had to work with. In terms of you know, but because again, like you say, Rangers had that high line; there was space to move into. He did have chances to get, if he had a decent shot and goal as well. But, uh Butland had to make a good save to I am So I take the point. But again, like you, it's like I, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see him come off the bench at some point if Hearts are needing a goal. <sighs> Would he start? You know, I, 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 I'm just I'm just picturing the fan reaction if it comes if the team sheet comes out on Sunday afternoon. You know, Alan Forrest is on the bench. Kenneth Vargas is on the bench, and Tagawa's leading the line. I just, I could already see just the, the meltdowns on Twitter, and people going, "No, what's going on?" So, yeah, I think you're right. I think I'd be more inclined to go for Forrest as well. I think that he probably doesn't offer you as much like final product when you do in the when you do get into the final third and you, know, you try and get shots away, try and get crosses in the box. But what he does do is that everything up to that point, you know, he's absolutely brilliant at keeping the hold of the ball. Um he's great with the ball under pressure and he can really help you build out if you know if Shanklin's kind of that focal point in attack when yeah. you can hit him going long you've got force playing off I and mean, he's great at just getting the ball drifting wide holding it waiting for waiting for the support to come and I think for that reason that's probably why we'll see him but again the other thing as well would be that having someone like Vargas on the bench not exactly a bad option to have in the second half if you do need to change things up I do think that, for, that Vargas's best performances have come in that central area and i think that that's where he's looked at his best but having said that i just think that in a game like this i think forrest does need um i think just for because he's just a bit more careful with, with the ball i think i get i think that matters a lot against teams like celtic you know um i mean because there are a couple of times as well on wednesday night when vargas was through i think it was three in total now one of them is yeah. like i so didn't, didn't come to anything but i remember all three of them like he, he kind of went through and had to go himself and i was like Oh, you've got to cut that back to Shankland or whoever else it was. I just I think it was he the one we well. tried in Forest. Yeah, that was yeah. probably the
1: worst one because he didn't even get a shot and goal with that one. I think it got blocked. That was probably the one where you're like, it was like, literally three on one, three on two. Uh, I, I get like, it, I think players at his age they will sort of tend to play the game with their head down quite a bit, yeah. Especially when they get a bit overexcited. But but yeah, I, I think you need somebody with a bit of discipline in it. In Naismith's mind, I can imagine him looking at Forrest and going, I can trust him, and I can trust him. not only do the right thing when we're in possession, but also when we're out of possession, uh, which is why I think he'll probably start. But yeah, I, I, I do think Tagalog would have been a, an interesting one, just purely down to how Celtic play. Uh, but yeah, uh, I definitely think Forrest will probably play there.
0: Aye, no, I think you're right. I think you're probably right. Okay, right, I'm going to put you on the, on the spot now, Scott. I'm gonna ask for a score prediction. Is it going to be two wins in a row for the jam tarts against Celtic or is it going to be brought, crashing back down to earth once again?
1: I think it'll be a tight game
0: because I do think we've got,
1: we've got the players who are capable of making it frustrating for Celtic in the same way that we did at Parkhead. Mm. The issue is going to be what we are going to do when we've got the ball and we, we are struggling in in, in that respect. I think it'll probably be two-one Celtic. I do think it'll be a very tight game, uh, and I think we will get some chances. But I can see Celtic just edging it and having
0: that little bit of quality. Hmm. Well, let's hope. Well, I, I hope for everyone's sake that you're wrong. I hope, I hope so. I don't, uh, but me, I'm <laughs> inclined to agree. I, I, I can see it being quite a tight game, but I could, I could see Celtic just edging it, like overall. Just, um, I think, cause I think part of it as well is that. As much as this game is important for Hearts, you know, obviously it's a chance to, you know, strengthen their Griffin third. For Celtic, it's basically must win, isn't it? It's not the way the title it is. It's game, it's, it's that. Yeah. And I felt we
1: we were possibly hampered by that on Wednesday. I don't know if there's just a little bit of lack of decisiveness with the players, even subconsciously, because we're we're that far in front, the the need of the opponents is maybe surpassing our own need just now. Mm. And, and, and that can add to a lot, especially when you're playing against teams who already have a, a significant quality advantage over you. So, yeah, I think in the same way as Celt- Rangers last week, that need to win, I think, might just be enough to get them over the line, even although I think we'll make it tough for them.
0: Mm. But again, the flip side of that is that, you know, the longer it stays at no no or you know, even one no hearts or two no, you know, the longer Celtic aren't ahead, the more angsty and agitated that away crowd's going to get. You know, they're they're going to be nervous because you know there's there's very little room for error at all, just now in the title race, and it's just this is where you need to have well, basically, I know exactly Rangers from. will have them as well, you know, like exactly, at, yeah. Rangers will be the five points ahead by the time that we play them, so there so, won't be that pressure there exactly it's a great chance to really make the most of that I think and you know that's I mean me and Joe were talking about this before the Rangers game saying so, you know, that's it's a great opportunity because again you know it's that way like oh you know if things aren't going well you know people might start getting a bit frustrated obviously you know was it 80 seconds in that all goes, goes up in smoke so hopefully hopefully that doesn't happen this time around hopefully because again I think that the longer it goes on that kind of nervousness from the stands does flow down onto the pitch i think and you can see that in the players and they can start making the wrong decisions and things like that so hopefully hopefully that happens um but we shall see we shall see anyway we'll, we'll leave it there um because we're, that's us just kind of for, for half an hour now um and we'll, you know, we need to let people get on with our day but um I'll just quickly say that we've got a few things going up on the site over the next few days, Uh, just looking ahead to the Celtic game so me and Joe will have our predicted lineups going out tomorrow, we'll have um, a Stephen Naismith Q&A going up on the site at half past ten tonight, there will be a Calum Neuenhoff Q&A going out first thing tomorrow morning Joe's looking into um, how Frankie Kent's absence could affect the first team and there's also some, there's also a data report and there's going to be a tactical analysis as well coming from the Hibs game on Wednesday night. So there's plenty of content to get your teeth stuck into both on our website and in the app, which I'd highly recommend if you've not got already. And then of course we'll be back on Sunday with our usual instant analysis. We'll get the reaction from Naismith and then on Monday we will be back on here to dissect what's hopefully, hopefully another hearts win. So. On that note, uh, we'll leave it there. And I'll just say uh, thanks again to Scott for joining me. Always a pleasure to have you on. No problem. And thanks as well to everyone who watches and subscribes. And we'll see you on Monday. Cheers.